put for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the, ta- and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. After the sermon, we will have a brief time of question and answer, something that we used to do on a consistent basis. It was on hiatus, put it on hold throughout the summer. Uh, might be something you're not familiar with or used to in the middle of a church service, but it's a, uh, an indication of our commitment and desire to be a community that's processing, growing, learning, whatever your background might be, uh, where you can pepper me with whatever questions and even objections that come to mind. So feel free to jot those down and share those after these brief remarks. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the vision of our church, Grace Meridian Hill, looking at a few themes from the Bible that serve as kind of the foundation of who we're trying to be and what we're trying to do as a church by the grace of God. You should find a card in your bulletin here that gives you a little summary of the vision, mission of our church. If you could pull those out, I'll be making reference to that in a second. But if I could pause and lead us in a short prayer. Let's pray. Father, we look to you in this time because we need your help. We need you to enliven our minds, help us to think. We need you to open wide and refresh our hearts. Help us to feel and engage you. We need your help to open the eyes of our hearts that we would see you with our faith. We do pray that you would meet each of us where we're at. God, we're a, a room full of people that are coming from all over the spiritual map And with loads of issues and needs and brokenness and fears in our lives, in our hearts. And so we pray that you would meet us in those places. Not aside from them, not apart from them, but right smack dab in the middle of all of that. After all, you are the Savior of sinners, the healer of our souls. Help us to meet you in that way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In starting this church, Grace Meridian Hill, our goal is not merely to build a great church, but rather through a church to build a great neighborhood. We have a passion here at this church to see our local neighbors, people on the streets here in our local neighborhood the people in the place, to flourish. Not only spiritually, as you might guess, a church might be interested in seeing a people in place flourish, but also socially and economically, relationally, even aesthetically. Beauty, the beauty of God starting to blossom in different parts of neighborhood 
life. Every sphere of life being a clear and clear reflection of the beauty and the truth and the glory and the compassion and the justice of God who made this place. Because without a doubt, life on these surrounding blocks that we can see with such clarity today, I mean, isn't it beautiful? Sun shining just a little bit differently. We should have a few more tornadoes once in a while, huh? Clear up the air a little bit. No, life on these blocks, without a doubt, are, is presently vibrant, beautiful, glorious. God has been so good to the people of Columbia Heights and Mount Pleasant and Adams Morgan, especially in recent decades when this neighborhood fell on hard times. But speaking of hard times, life here is also presently broken. There's poverty, pride, division, loneliness, injustice, depression, violence, addiction, anger, all, as the Bible tells us, stemming from different forms of alienation and estrangement from the God of the universe. And so, in light of that, we want to be a church that labors joyfully to see little flashes and foretastes of life in the neighborhood as God intended it to be. Fully restored and fully healed. To pray and to just imagine the implications of Jesus' words from the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom Come here in this neighborhood. Your will be done on earth on these street blocks as it is in heaven. So as you see on the card in front of you here, our vision is a humble longing for a kingdom healed neighborhood. Indeed, a true neighborhood. A true neighborhood. Do you want to be a part of that. And so you say, well, that sounds great. Where do we start? Where do we start? What should we do? How can this grand vision be realized, or at least start to be realized? And that's where our church's mission comes in. As again, you'll see printed on this card, our mission is to build a gospel community that is spiritually diverse, cross-cultural, and neighborhood-centered for the good of our neighbors, not just ourselves, and for the glory of Jesus Christ in Columbia Heights, Mount Pleasant, Adams Morgan, and beyond. Now that is loaded with a lot of words and phrases that deserve further explanation, and we'll be doing that over the coming weeks as we talk about this vision, unpacking it for you. So please do come back. But today, briefly, I just want to focus on the one phrase, gospel community. Gospel community means we're building not just an institution, not just an organization, but a community of people that are in authentic relationship with one another. 
People that watch football games together. People that share real life together. People that are walking with each other in the highs and the lows and the curveballs of what life throws at us. Caring for one another. Sharing the joys and hardships of real life in the neighborhood. Gospel community means that everything we are and everything we do as a church is shaped by the gospel of grace This true story that we encounter in the Bible that Jesus lived and died and then rose to life to make all things new. To make all old things new and all dying things alive. Starting with our own lives as people made by God. Gospel community means A place where honest, broken people, people like you and people like me, are being transformed by the grace of Jesus. As we hear again and again through your lives and stories of people that are coming to know Jesus for the first time, praise God. And people whose lives are being set free from the power of addiction. And stories of people that are tasting the true power of being forgiven of your sins, in some cases, for the first time. And people that are being healed of deep wounds, some emotional, some physical. Wounds that have been carried around with us, sometimes for years and years and years. There are many glorious aspects of this idea of gospel community. But one way the Bible touches on this idea is found in today's passage, which we heard a moment ago. It's a little story of Jesus, who together with his disciples are found eating, as they often did, partying at a banquet with a large crowd of tax collectors. The Jewish leaders of the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were very critical of this. Jesus purportedly a rabbi, a teacher himself, purportedly a holy man, indeed one who would claim to be the Messiah, the Son of God, eating with tax collectors. We see in verse 30, they complain to him and his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners? After all, in that day, tax collectors were the lowest of the lows. They were cheats, always asking unjustly and unfairly for more than was actually required by the Roman government. They were seen as traitors, Jewish people that worked for the other side, the enemies of Israel, in fact, the enemies of God. Traitors not only of the Israelites, but of God himself. They were seen as immoral. They were seen as social outcasts. And here's Jesus doing the most intimate of all things in the ancient world, sharing a meal. Calling them, by virtue of his actions, his friends. He responds to the teachers of the law, the religious leaders. The passage tells us in verse 31, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners 
to repentance. You see, what Jesus is doing is He's giving us a unique vision of His community of followers. It's a vision, you might say, of the church as a hospital. The church as a hospital. Which means, number one, that this church community is meant to be a place where the sick, the broken, the sinful are welcome, are accepted, are embraced, are a normal part of community life where people aren't surprised when you scratch the surface of someone's life And it feels like blood and guts just kind of emerge because it's right there just below the surface if we would just take the time to see and look and listen. You see, the religious leaders are telling Jesus, as religious communities so often tell themselves, to be like a doctor who avoids sick people. A doctor who avoids sick people. It's a sad thing, a tragic thing, but sometimes faith communities can be the worst places. Places that make you feel like you need to participate in a religious runway show. Looking good, feeling good, having it all together. Or where the church starts to feel like a job interview, where you feel like you need to promote yourself or always prove your worth. And be on your game all the time. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners. The church is like a hospital, and a hospital is a place where sick, needy, sinful, broken, weary, hanging on a thread kind of people feel welcome, feel normal. Are we, or are we becoming a community like that? A community of people that communicate in our words and our interactions with each other. Hey, cheer up, I'm a mess too. You've come to the right place. And so if you're someone here today and you are struggling with an area of sin, maybe a vice that you just feel like has been hard for you to beat, cheer up. I'm a mess too. You've come to the right place. Or maybe if you're like me, just even in the past week, just struggling with my self-centered heart. Just convinced so clearly in this last week, the sinner that I am. Whether if it was in the form of trying to share a wonderful Reese's peanut butter cup ice cream bar with my wife carefully, all too carefully, slicing it right down the middle. And when I offered half of it to her with both pieces on the plate and she grabbed the bigger one, maybe by a half millimeter, 
embarrassed at how much I noticed. (laughs) And started picking at the crumbs that were left on the plate on the other side. Or the way in which I had to call up an old friend from our downtown community where I worked for a number of years because of just these sour feelings that I had been wrestling with. Judgmental thoughts, envy, arrogance, annoyance, this nasty cocktail of feelings that I had towards another person and with no ability to stop myself from thinking those thoughts and feeling that way and just hating that I was like that. And just knowing I had nowhere else to turn except for God himself and God through turning to this friend. Maybe you're like me. You're a mess. I'm one too. You've come to the right place. Maybe struggling with an area of addiction. Maybe that word intimidates you. Whether if it's sexual addiction or job addiction or something that's always on your mind that, okay, set aside the word for a second, you know you feel stuck and you know you feel powerless before that powerful draw of your heart to this area of vice and sin and weakness. But maybe it's just intellectual questions and doubts that you have, another form of intellectual brokenness. Maybe emotionally you struggle with deep forms of anger or a bad temper. Maybe financially you don't have much in the way of money or possessions. Maybe you struggle day to day, week to week to make ends meet physically. Maybe you're literally sick. Or maybe you fall into the category that the Pharisees and religious leaders fall in. The most sick of all, perhaps, maybe you're sitting here saying, look, I feel just fine. We're part of the point of this passage is that sometimes the most sick, the ones that most need Jesus, a savior, are those that think they're not sick at all. The brokenness of pride and the blindness of self-sufficiency. The feeling that I can serve as my own God and controller and master of my own life. And again, if you just scratch beneath the surface, maybe your life is just fueled by fear and arrogance, ugly things that if you're honest with yourself, you know is not a healthy way to live life. Here is an invitation from Jesus to pull off masks that we so often hide behind and to start to find courage to share our true selves. How about that for an invitation? How about that reality of how much we live lives? Well... Jobs or roommate relationships that become patterns, become habits, become lifestyles, become lives. Where we're always putting on costumes and pretending to be something that we're not. Pretending to be better than we're not. Pretending to be more made up than we truly are. And yet here's the grace of God, the grace of Jesus that starts to give us courage to actually bear our naked selves first and foremost before God 
His compassion, His acceptance in Jesus, and then through that power and freedom to be able to do that before one another in community. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, look at Levi's life. He responded with joyful nakedness before Jesus because Jesus approached him first. It was his grace, his acceptance that set Levi free. What created this whole situation in the first place? Verse 27, a radical experience of grace. Jesus is walking along and he's beginning to collect for himself a small band of disciples. The main people he would invest in and then unleash to continue his movement even after he is long gone. And who does he turn to? A religious expert? No. The most competent guy in the village? No. A tax collector. Hated, despised, an outcast, a tax collector. Verse 27, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Do you see the way in which this surprising experience of grace begins to unlock one's heart? To be your true selves before God and the world. Do you see? Because if your standing before God is dependent upon your daily performance, if your assumption, as our normal assumption is, is that God loves you more if you are doing well, but if you are dropping off in your morality, in your performance, in how well you are living your life, well, then God's opinion of you must be falling by the second. Why would you ever dare to be honest with you about with yourself, with God, about the true wreck that you really are? If your self-image and your standing before God is based upon what you do and don't do, will you not always be tempted to be dishonest about how you're really doing? So here's another picture. Another way of life, the grace of God, which tells us that consider what if your acceptance and standing before God is based not on yourself, but what on Jesus has done for you, his perfect life and love and justice counting as your life before God and his experience of hell on the cross counting as your just judgment for all your failures that flow to you as forgiveness. So that your standing before God and your self-image is anchored not in your daily performance, but the perfect, unchanging performance of Jesus Christ. Unchangeably fixing you in the loving gaze of God, your heavenly Father. Such that he could never love you more than he already does perfectly. And such that he could never love you less because he loves you perfectly. Well, then doesn't it start to free you to say, okay, exhale, I screwed up, but I'm okay. 
I am deeply flawed. But by the surprising grace of God, His acceptance of me as righteous in His sight is grounded not on that flaw or my ability even to overcome that flaw, but in Jesus' flawless performance of all that God had required of love and justice from me. I'm safe. I can be true. I can start to dig and go to those dark places, maybe looking at areas of our hearts and lives that you have never wanted to go to. Or maybe every time it rears its ugly head in the back of your soul and your heart, you just turn the other way because it's just too much for you to handle. But now finally, by the grace of God, you can turn and face it and begin to look for healing. Which brings us to the second point. A hospital, first and foremost, is a place where the sick, the sinful, the broken, the needy are welcome. But it's also a place where people begin to find healing. What if you went to a hospital later on today, got into some sort of accident, or you got doubled over in pain for some reason? You went to the hospital, and you went to them, and you said, we are... uh, needing some help, and you went in and you came out eight hours later, actually worse off than you were before, or maybe unchanged at all. Well, you would be a little bit disappointed, wouldn't you? Jesus is giving to us this picture of church community as hospital, and just like you go to a hospital with the expectation of healing and of change, where you expect to check out more healthy than how you were when you checked in. Gospel community is a place where lives are changed. Lives are changed. So you got to understand this. Gracious acceptance of sick sinners doesn't mean you get to just stay that way and tell people to get out of your way. It's often a misunderstanding of the nature of grace, simply taking it as permissiveness, as if God doesn't care about the wreck and the broken person that you are. Here is the counterintuitive message of grace. God, yes, loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you as you are. Yes, come as you are. Because God loves you as you are, just as you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you as you are. A hospital is for healing, which is what verse 32 is getting at when Jesus says, I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners, what, to repentance, which is simply a word that might sound intimidating to you, but it simply means turning away from unhealthy and sick things to be restored to our Savior, to turn our lives back towards God for healing, for rescue, for lasting change. Just as we see in Levi's life, in verse 28, he follows Jesus, he leaves everything. And friends, this is to be a community that as we deal with our brokenness, with honesty, with freedom, and as we are loving one another in relationships, 
Not only free to be our broken selves, but teaching us to love other people in our brokenness. Embracing one another. We do need to keep the goal in mind of not simply being accepted, but rather of being whole. And this is exactly what God in Jesus offers us. This is good news. Jesus presents himself to us as what? A doctor. You see, you don't get healed just by going to the hospital, do you? You got to see the doctor. And some of us sometimes think that just by being authentic and honest and real, going to the lobby of the hospital, as it were, just by showing up, or maybe just by opening up my junk and baggage, that itself will provide for me healing. You get healing not by waiting in the lobby, but by going to the doctor. Honesty is not the doctor. Jesus is the doctor. Confession in and of itself is not the doctor. Jesus is the doctor. Other people whom you love and whom love you are not the doctor. Jesus is the doctor. The doctor who was wounded himself on the cross so that we in our wounds might be healed. Whose body was broken so that we in our brokenness might be made whole who was punished so that in our guilt we might through him be forgiven, who was forsaken so that we in all our loneliness and estrangement might feel reconnected to God and to other people. If you know you're sick, you need to come to Jesus, the healer of our souls. If you know you're a mess, that's all right. I'm a mess too. You've come to the right place. Gospel community is a hospital community. A gospel hospital. God give us grace to be this. For his glory and for our good. Let's pray. Jesus, we're just scratching the surface of this vision, this call that you've put before us. But we long to be conformed to this idea of a safe place where people are free to be weak and sinful and needy, but being healed and changed and in their repentance being brought to the great physician, our Jesus, whose blood is powerful to heal us and forgive us and to change us. Show us what this means. Show us how to do this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing a great, great old hymn that's been redone by our team, our band, uh, just as we are.